You're listening to audio from Pillar Church of Jacksonville, where our goal is to know Jesus and to make him known. If you have questions or want to know more about us, and can text Pillar to 94000 or visit our website at pillarjacks.com. I don't know about you, but numbers and statistics seem to resonate with me. Numbers, if given accurately, can help point to potential issues But they can also raise awareness and help us to think of ways that we can find solutions. So I'll give you an example. If you were able to join us last week, either in person or online, you heard Jeff Marburger from the One More, One Less Project kind of give us the state of our foster care system in Onslow County by telling us that there are currently 165 foster kids in the foster care system in Onslow County, and 48 families available to meet the needs of those 165 kids. I don't know about for you, but for me, that tells me that there's a gap. Those numbers help me to understand that there's something that I, as a Christian, need to do. And so those numbers that he gave me last week help me to see that there is a dire need in this county alone for people to jump into the fray and be involved at some level. That spoke to me. In the same way this morning, we are going to be looking at a few numbers that will help us to think about the nations and that there are even some that we'll be looking at next week as we talk about the local church, numbers that will help us, that will give wisdom and insight to what we're trying to do here at Pillar Church. Jacksonville. Let me tell you where I'm hoping these numbers from last week, the numbers today, and the numbers next week will help us to see the bigger picture. I'm hoping that we can be a people who, like David, who who Samuel said is a man after God's own heart, that we would be a people after God's own heart towards thinking about the pure religion of caring for orphans and widows and meeting them in their affliction. Our our desire and our need in getting a heart like God's for the nations and also an understanding and a heart for the local church. What about us here? These gathered people joined together. What can we do? What can we possibly do to reach into 165 orphans that need adoption or care? What can we possibly do to reach the nations that are out there? What can we possibly do as a church to meet the needs of our local community and pushing back the darkness of sin and confusion over the good news of the gospel? And so as we speak into this this morning, best character development, some of the best writing that you'll ever see happened in Looney Tunes. Theology happened in Looney Tunes, right? I don't, if you've ever watched Looney Tunes, if you ever watched Tom and Jerry or, or some of those you've seen where, where Jerry sets off a bomb for Tom and Tom ends up getting blown up and where does he end up? He ends up sitting on a cloud in heaven playing the harp, right? And that's the picture that they go to and show when when, 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 when Tom leaves this world and goes into the next, he's, he's on a cloud and he's playing the harp. And we see this over and over again in the mind of Looney Tunes. 
Or maybe you've seen movies from Hollywood of what it looks like to be in heaven where you see Morgan Freeman standing at the gate, the, 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 the golden gate, right? Waiting for those to come in. And he says, no, 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 no. You got to go back. You haven't done enough. You got to go back into the world and, and do this and do that before you can come back in. And that's not right either. So we get this bad context and bad theology of of what it means to reside in the presence of God. To be at His throne, worshiping the Lamb who would take on the sins of the world. You see, the Bible paints a much different picture of heaven than what we get from Hollywood, or Looney Tunes, or any cartoons, or anything that we may see. But I wonder, I wonder if most of us really understand how great heaven do you understand how awesome the that God has established and is establishing in all its perfectness for us whom He has called to Himself? How awesome it will be to be in heaven in the presence of His glory. There would have to be no sun, no scorching heat because the radiance and the glory of God will be permeating throughout, giving light as if it were day. Many people, including professing Christians, agree with Mark, Train, Mark Twain when he says, go to heaven for the but hell for the company. I wonder if that's some of us here. You see, there's something that is ingrained in the minds of our culture that hell will have this really cool hipster vibe. But that's not true at all. Not how the Bible portrays the place that God has established where His presence will be felt but never be. That is, that is eternity apart from God. Where you will see and recognize that His presence is there but never feel it. Never understanding and spending eternity apart from that. And this is not true of everyone listening this morning. But I know that it's true of me at times. That's because of my lackluster view of hell that I have, that I live with, and my div diminished view of how great heaven will be. So I have this lackluster view of hell and how I live my life, and this diminished view of heaven that also affects my life. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. See, I don't evangelize the way I should. I don't pray for the nations with the type of fervency that understands the implications of a people without the gospel. But you see, from Genesis to Revelation, God is establishing forth a people. Multitudes, Revelation says. Nations that will ascribe to Him honor, glory in this earthly kingdom, in the heaven to come. And we get this beautiful picture of a people from every nation, people from every tribe,
worship God in spirit and in truth and then proclaim that truth of the gospel to all nations. That we are to, the redeemed that are here this morning, those who are calling themselves Christian, that we would worship God in spirit and then we would in turn have a heart to proclaim the truth of the gospel to all nations. Because if we believe that heaven is as great as the Bible says it is, and that we believe that hell is as terrible as the Bible says it is, then we will give us a fervency to worship God in a way that would honor and glory and belongs to our God. That we would interact with Him in His presence. That we would be with Him. So this is a picture and a glimpse of what is to come for us. This is what it means to believe in the good news of the gospel, to believe that Jesus is our salvation. That the Lamb has come to take away the sins of the world by, by placing our faith in Him. That we would be saved and that He would usher us into His kingdom and into His throne room. Where we rejoice. But it's not only for in heaven. See rejoicing here on earth. Receiving the good news that we live in light of this good news here on earth. We get to see a very small glimpse in a mirror dimly lit. The goodness and the grace and the mercy of Christ and his gospel in our lives. Just the fact that we're gathered here this morning is a, a glimpse of the rejoicing that we get to have of, of a picture of heaven that we get to see here on earth in his church. Other people rejoicing, worshiping, singing, crying out to the Lord. He would rescue us. That he would save us. We get to live in light of this. So we, we see the rejoicing in salvation. Rejoice in your salvation this morning that not only do you get to see a glimpse of it here, but more perfectly. The second thing that we see here in our text is that we get to worship God forever and ever. We get to worship God forever and ever. All the angels are standing around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their face before the throne and they worshipped God. They gave Him His worth. They honored Him. And they sang, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. That we would worship Spirit and in truth forever and ever. I don't know about you, but forever seems like a really long time. Right? The song 10,000 Reasons, like for, for 10,000 years we would glory. But what about 10,000 years seems like a long time. What about 3 million years? What does that look like? Does that seem like it would be boring for us? Does it seem like it would be, man, what? Wouldn't it get a little exhausting to keep doing this for millennia and millennia 
a millennium? The answer is no. It would never get boring for us. Because we're rejoicing in the presence of Christ, our King. John Piper writes this in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad. That missions, the reason that we have missions, exists because worship does not. Worship is ultimate, not missions. Because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over, countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God. Missions will be no more. We won't have to worry about gathering as a a heart for the nation Sunday so that we can raise awareness for the fact that we need to carry the gospel to those who have never heard. That will no longer be necessary. And he goes on to say, no, it's a temporary necessity. But worship, worship abides forever. So when Paul says in Romans 15, praise the Lord all you nations and let all the peoples extol him. He is saying that there is something about God that is is so praiseworthy, is so re, uh, uh, calling out to us to, 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 to praise Him. There is something so beautiful and a worthiness to it and satisfying. The Piper goes on to say God will find passionate admirers in every diverse people group in the world. Guess who he calls to take the good news to that world? He calls us, his people, his redeemed. To call people into this type of worship. Into this type of abiding. Into this type of love and worthiness that God deserves. A people who would ascribe worth God, the triune. God. So people, we must worship. We'll get to worship forever and ever. Amen. Here on earth, we get a glimpse of this. We get to worship together. Spirit and in truth. Is your heart inclined to this? Does your heart desire this type of worship? That you would worship God for who He is. That you would worship Christ Jesus, that he did something for you that you could never do for yourself. And that he lived a perfect life for you. A life you could never live. And he died a death that you deserved. And that by placing your faith in him, that he will absorb the wrath that you deserve. It's good news. That causes us to worship this morning. To worship forever. And ever. And then look at my last one. So rejoice in the salvation. Second thing we see them doing is worshiping God forever and ever. And the third thing that we see there is we see that there's a shelter. There's a shelter in the presence of God, especially the Lamb. There's a shelter in His presence. Look at verse 15. Therefore, they are before the throne of God. They serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. 
As a result of this, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst and the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. How many of you walked into these doors this morning with something from the world? It's all of us. Something from the world, right? Some sort of anxiousness, some sort of depression over what's happening, some sort of longing that you have, some sort of discontentment that you walked in with this morning, some sort of sadness or bitterness or frustration over life this morning. We all walked in here with something on our shoulders weighing us down. Here's the good news for you in heaven. All of that will go away. There will be no more sadness or affliction or hunger or thirst or frustration or discontentment because we will be in the midst of the Lamb and He will be our shepherd forever and ever. Amen. We see this even as a glimpse of In Revelation 21, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man in heaven. He will be in our presence. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. And death shall be no more. Neither shall be there mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. I look forward to that day. I look forward to that day where I don't have to look back at sadness and difficulty and strife. And I don't have to look forward to the anxiousness that awaits me this week. The things that I have to get done. But in the here and now, I rest. In Christ. I rest in the shepherd. The same shepherd that died for me. The same shepherd that I will be in the presence in. And that he will be shepherding me in those moments in heaven. Is also shepherding me here on this earth. So no matter what difficulty you bring in here this morning. No matter what is happening in your life. That you can rest in the shepherd. There will still be pain. There will still be strife, there will be sadness, there will be loneliness, there will be difficulty in this world. This world is groaning. The promise is for those who rest in Christ, that He will be enough, that He will be your shepherd, that He will be enough in His presence. And so heaven is for those who have been redeemed. Heaven is for those who understand that the redemption happens through Christ Jesus. Look with me. Look with me at verse 9. The second half of verse 9. This multitude, they're standing before the throne. They're standing before the Lamb. 
and they're clothed in white robes. And then you look at verse 14. He said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and they've made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This is a people who is trusting in Christ Jesus for their salvation. In Revelation 3, John is talking to the church in Sardis. And he says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. That is condemning. You look like you're alive. Everything looks great, and you're dead. Because your hearts are not with me. So he says, wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will know not at what hour I will come against you. But here's the important part. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis. People who have not soiled their garments. And they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be, the, uh, will be clothed thus in white garments. And I will never blot his name out of the book of life. No, I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Recognize in a room, even as big or as small as this, I don't know what your church life has been like, that there are people who are fooling themselves into believing that they are Christians. I just want to ask you, I just want to remind you to check your heart. To ask yourself, do I believe this? Am I, am I walking in the newness of life? Or am I walking in my own unrepentant sin? Which is it for me? Am I willing to repent of my sin? Am I, am I confessing Christian? His word, do I walk in a way that is worthy, that, that he talks about here that is worth, that is Christ's worth, his work on the cross, that we can be washed white as snow, the Bible says, because of the blood of the Lamb. So we can't be witnesses to the nations until we're first a witness in our own heart. can't go to the nations and to our neighbors first being redeemed ourselves and understanding who we are in the gospel. Who we are in the spirit and truth. The question is, do you believe this? Do you want this? Do you desire this? You would be washed white as snow. So we're going to walk through a couple of slides here. 
because I think the numbers help us when it comes to missions, when it comes to understanding what it means for us to live in a people where multitudes will be gathered, but knowing that our job is not complete. So what does it mean for us to engage unreached or reached peoples, especially to those in the nations? So we're going to look at a couple of slides here if you want to bring them up. I know it's hard to read on this screen, so I'm going to read some things to you. This is a, the IMB, the International Mission Board. They are an entity of the, of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, and they, are, uh, they put out this new uh, progress towards engaging unreached peoples every year. So they just came out with this uh, in January 1st of 2022. And if you'll go to the next side, it's, it's hard to see on there. That is a group of people from every nation. What that number says is there's 11,948 known people groups. 11,948 known people groups of 7.9 billion people. Next slide. In that... There are 4,623 people groups that are considered reached. Does anybody know what reached means? Anybody have a number? More than 2% they considered reached. I don't know about you guys, but 2% doesn't seem like a lot of people to me, right? But that considered reached among these peoples, right? Next slide, the next slide paints a different picture. It says... These are ones that are unreached. That means they are less than 2% evangelized. These make up 7,325 people groups. 7,325. Of those, there is a group called the engaged uh, but yet unreached that are here. This makes up 4,154 people groups. So they're engaged but have not reached that 2% threshold. That makes up 4.4 billion people, just to give you a number. And then there is the unengaged and unreached, those who have no gospel presence, those who have not been reached with the gospel, and they make up 3,171 people groups, or 271 million peoples. So what does this mean? Well, look at a map here. We're going to look at several maps. One map that's kind of different figures. This is the progress towards engaging unreached peoples. So all the green that you see on your screen, those are areas where the gospel has engaged and is more than 2%. The yellow or orangish colors are those that are engaged but not yet 2%. And then those who are in the reds are those who are unengaged and uh, unreached. Meaning, so if you look at that red that's on that screen, what mainly is that made up of? Does anybody know? The 1040 window, basically. The 1040 window. And so it's made up of basically a rectangular area that's north of Africa. So you can kind of see that northern part of Africa there if you can recognize your map. So if you're looking at the far left, that is the U.S., uh, North America, South America. Then to the right, you'll see Africa. That is North Africa all the way over into uh, Eurasia. You see uh, that this area is often called the 1040 window, also the resistance belt. This is where most of 
Muslims, uh, the, the religion of uh, Muslims are gathered. Uh, most uh, Hindus, Buddhists are in this 1040 window, and it is where most of our unreached, unengaged people groups are. So the question is, why do we go over these numbers? Why are they even important to us? And the answer is, is because God has called us to the mission of engaging the unengaged. He has called us to not only reach our neighbors here in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, but also to those in the utter ends of the earth. So Mark 16, 15, Jesus says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to whom? The whole creation. To everybody. Matthew 28, when Jesus is given the great commission, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go forth, go therefore and make disciples of whom? Jacksonville, Onslow County, yes. But to all nations. To all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he says in Acts 1-8, what I just said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my, my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the other ends of the earth. So I realize we're a fairly small church. But it doesn't remove the fact that we are called to obey what it is that Christ has commissioned us to do. What he has mandated us to go and do and, and to be a part of is to go into all the world and proclaim the good news. And so we want to do that. We want to be a part of that mission to, to, to gain the heart of God for the nations. From Genesis to Revelation, even as we prayed as a, as a group last night to gather together last night here, that as you prayed together that we would pray to see the nations reached, that we would pray for those persecuted Christians and, and missionary workers who are all over the world and, and, and engaging in, in a gospel culture that wants nothing to do with them. We want to be a part of that mission. We want to get a heart for the nations as, as the, in the way that the Bible describes it for us. So we are called to the nations. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, us, for us here at Pillar Jacks, there's three entities that we're a part of internationally. One is the Gospel to Okinawa, which is our granddaughter church, Pillar Church of Okinawa. Uh, we planted a church. John Ransom was here when the church first started in 2013. Uh, he left after about a year to go to California and plant Pillar Church of Oceanside. After being at Pillar Church of Oceanside for a couple of years, he then went to Okinawa and planted a uh, Pillar Church of Okinawa, and their heart and their mission is to plant churches in Okinawa that are speaking by their pa being planted and pastored by Okinawan pastors, not by American missionaries. That they would hear the gospel in their own heart language. That, that they would push back the darkness and, and sin that is in Okinawa. I learned last night from Sean that Okinawa is about 1% evangelized. So where does that put them? Not yet reached. And so we want to plant churches in those dark spaces. We want to help our granddaughter church do this. So for, for many of you, 
you will be heading to Okinawa here in the next few months. We have about 13 to 14 families leaving this summer. Families leaving this summer. It's going to be pretty hard, right? Guess where most of those families are going? I'd say about half. Okinawa. Guess what you get to be a part of if you go? Be a part of that mission. Jump in. Figure out a way to be involved in that mission. What can we do here that those who are staying? We can pray. Pray that God would open doors. That as they begin cohorts and as they begin finding and raising up pastors to minister to the gospel in Okinawa, that they would, be, they would have um, open doors to the gospel and that the gospel would go forth through their work and mission and efforts. We also have a church that we've been supporting for several years in Iceland called Loftafon. Here's a test for you. What does Loftafon mean? We've told you. Can't answer. What is it? The upper room. The upper room. Where is that taken from, right? It's taken from Acts 1, where they went up to the upper room and they prayed together after Jesus' ascension. So, Loftafon Baptist Church in Iceland, a church that was planted in Reykjavik by an Icelandic man named Gunnar Gunnarsson and his wife Savava. 300,000 people in Reykjavik and probably one to two gospel center churches there. On the screen, it will show that they are more than 2% evangelized, but I can assure you they are not. The interesting thing about Iceland is they are born into a Christian nation. That means if you go there and you ask the Icelanders that are there, hey, what is your religion? They'll tell you, we are Christians. Yes. What makes you a Christian? Because I receive money from the church. That makes me a Christian. Because if they're born into a Christian nation and born under the umbrella of a, local, of a church that's there, even if the church is not gathering, but under the church that's there, then they are considered a Christian and they receive money from the government. Now, how interesting is that? But if you ask them who Jesus is, they have no idea. No idea who Jesus is. They have no idea what it means to be a Christian. So yes, they would say they're two, more than 2% evangelized only because they're proclaiming to be Christians. It makes the gospel even more difficult Try to convince someone they're not a Christian and then convert them back to Christianity with the real true gospel. It's difficult work. It's hard work. And so we send money. We, we pray. We want to send people to go to Lostafon. Now, obviously, some of these are difficult because of COVID. My last one is this. The pearls in the UAE. You'll hear me say pearls or peace. So if you're online, if you're on Facebook Live watching this, and somebody asked the question, what is pearls? Please do not answer in that, in that text if you know what it is uh, because we have to be careful with how we talk about the peas and the pearls because they're in that 1040 window. They're in persecuted places. But there's about five to 600,000 pearls in the UAE that we're, that we're trying to engage with the gospel. We are getting behind to support. We actually had a trip planned for March to go and, and to go to the UAE uh, because of the new strand of crom, uh, Omicron, the COVID. We could not do that. But I pray that we would be able to go at some time later in this year if things settle down. That we would reach, that we would be able to engage these pearls that are here, that are there. 
and that we would be able to plant churches and see a movement of churches amongst them all over. So what can we do? The answer is we can engage. You can pray. You can pray. You can certainly pray. I don't know about you, but we have these little missionary calendars. This is for North America missionaries, but I think there is a few IMB people up here. These little prayer calendars, as you go out that door on to your left, they're back there. We keep one right by our table, um, right by our kitchen table. And then each night when we eat dinner together, evening or lunch, uh, we pray for that missionary uh, that's on that's on there. And so we just pray for him throughout the week. And it just helps us to kind of not just pray for our food, but pray for something that's, um, that's engaging and helpful to be thinking about others outside of ourselves. So it's just a great way to do that. You take that, put it on your desk, whatever that looks like. The other one is there's some little stickers. I meant to bring one up here, and I forgot. On the back table back there, there's some little stickers that actually have GTO on there. You may have never known, like, what is GTO? I don't know what that sticker is. Why would I put it on my car? But that, that sticker means gospel to Okinawa. And so there's some stickers back on that table. You can take that. You can put it on your Bible. You can put it on your car. And it will remind you to pray for the gospel to Okinawa. So we can pray. We can engage in prayer. The other thing that we can do is give. You can give in this church. You can give of your treasures. Are you giving of your time, talents, and treasures to further the kingdom of God? Maybe you're here and you're like, man, I don't know if I want to be a member or not. I don't know what that means to look like and be a member of this church. Man, I just encourage you. I encourage you to join us in this work. I encourage you to become a member of this church, to take the next step to what it looks like to join with us in giving of your time and of your talents and gifts, and then giving of your treasures so that we can do this work together. Join us in this work. We, we encourage you to do this, to get, be a part of what we're doing. So if you've gone through our membership class and you're kind of hesitant, you're not sure, well, talk to me. Talk to Jared, talk to Richard, you'll see him, Scott. We're all here, we're all able to talk to you about what that looks like to take the next step towards membership because what it does is you're, you're going to be, there, there's going to be a vacuum. It's going to happen when these 13 or 14 families leave this summer. We're going to need some leadership, some others to come in and fill those gaps. And we ask you to be a part of that mission with us, to join us in this work. We know it's a big task, and we're missing probably 20 families right now who are out and not here, right? We recognize that, that, that this church is growing and it's doing well, but we need more people to join the work that is happening to help us in this endeavor as we cycle people in and out. So pray and give. And there'll be opportunities to go. Maybe, maybe you're able to go and join the mission. Maybe the government's going to send you to Okinawa on a paid dime, and you get to join the work there. Praise God. Right? We believe that movement is the method. We believe that God is a sending God. We're not worried about how many gather, we can gather here in Jacksonville, although we want you to join with us and be a part of the mission. But we also care more about where, where you're sent and that we send you out as mature believers to go and join that work. Be a part of that work. If some of you want to go to the UAE and join the work of the pearls, praise God, I'll send you. I'll help you. We will get behind you. We need more missionaries. We need more workers. We need more faithful believers joining this church and joining the work that, we, that he has for us. So you get to be a part of that mission, to be a part of reaching the nations for the gospel. And we get to do it together. I want to end with some lyrics from a, 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 a song called Far Kingdom that I think will help us in, in endeavoring to understand that there is hope for us, not in this world, but also in the one to come. And that as we proclaim the good news of the gospel, that we will keep in light that there is a place that God is 
setting aside for us. It's a mansion with many rooms. This picture in Revelation 21 of just beautiful gold. It is just clear and crystals and rubies and diamonds in this beautiful place that God has created for us that brings hope. Here's what the song says. There is a far kingdom a ways from here. Beyond the storm and the sea. There will be no need of darkness and none for tears when that far kingdom I see. There's a river we will know ever clear and ever full from the fount that overflows in the light of the king. And when we drink it, we will find that this joy ever full will ever rise and will rise on in the kingdom, in the kingdom that is to come. Father in heaven, thank you for this kingdom that you are, have established for us, for those who are redeemed, for those who have trusted in your Son. The Lamb that has come and been slain for us and is by his blood that our, our actual robes are white as snow. Thank you for this good news. I pray that we would live in light of it. In Jesus' name we pray.